We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! Spring break distraction! Party on, Roth! Yeah, but party on, Drew. Didn't expect that part. Uh, associate that with a whole different uh, thread of IP there. But it's good to uh, it's good to be on spring break with you. I'm so happy that you were willing to rent a houseboat on Lake Powell with me and six guys I'm in a frat with. When... Um when I was in college, I never got to do like the MTV spring break thing. And like, I was raised on MTV. So I, I was under the impression that I was missing out on like just the greatest free orgy that could ever be like, that could ever exist. So when I was the year after I got out of college, my friend booked us a trip to Cancun. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm finally going to Cancun. We're going to drink, we're getting laid. It's going to be fucking awesome. Sweet. Yeah. And he booked the trip, and then I met the woman who would become my wife before that, and who was like, oh, I have a girlfriend now, so we're going to Cancun, but I can't actually get laid because I have a girlfriend. I'm going to be I'm gonna be loyal to her. And so then we, we have to go through Logan, and we have to take a charter flight. Now, if you've ever taken a charter flight, I'm not talking about like a Learjet. I'm talking about like, like a travel broker rented a plane. Yep. A decommissioned like 737 from like 1952. And so like we had to wait for this charter thing for literally 24 hours. I slept on the floor of Logan Airport to get on this fucking rickety ass plane to go to Cancun. We get to Cancun. We go to the hotel we booked. They're like, oh, well, actually, we don't have a room for you. You have to go stay uh, at this other hotel that was definitely not on the beach. And so we get there, and I'm miserable the whole fucking time. And my friend has brought another friend of his who I don't know, and I'm just a whiny baby the whole time. And like, I was also in this big phase where I was saying "oi" a lot, like, like a like a Cockney man, or like yeah, a older like I thought Jewish it was man. like a like an Australian guy. Like I thought it was cool to be like "oi," and like and the friend's friend was like, "Can you stop fucking doing that?" But I didn't. And then like one night, I'm getting off a bus coming back from the club and like the whatever the club is like it's loud and like I dance around but I'm dancing alone because like I'm like oh whatever and I fall out of the bus and I I I fuck up my hand and I'm like oh it's the worst thing ever you're like and I go and it's yeah (laughs) and then I go to a Mexican email cafe this is back do you remember like when computer cafes were a thing so this is 1999 I go to a Cancun email cafe to email my wife to tell her how much I miss her. And I was like, I hurt my hand and I miss you, but big boys don't cry. And, but I don't have her email address. So I tell my best friend Howard at home, I say, can you please send this to my girlfriend? Because I don't, I, I can't, I can't email her for whatever reason. He's like, okay, that's weird. What? Like, yeah, that's pretty normal. I'll do that for sure. So he reads this absolutely henpecked email from me saves it and then when i get married he prints it out and at the bachelor party whips it out of his pocket reads it out aloud to everybody and i'm like oh how did it hold up shit it sounded like a a fucking drunk pathetic loser that's what i sounded like so anyway you're like oi it's drew i'm in cancun so if you ever thought like going to cancun and going to like fat tuesdays on Fat Tuesday and like and you thought like maybe like the cast of Club MTV would be there and it would be like super fun and awesome. It fucking blows. I so this is what I was gonna ask. I never thought it seemed cool. Like I 
even oh, as like, you were just you always knew. Huh? No, it wasn't uh-huh. like I was doing cooler shit. Like it wasn't like when I was watching that. I was like, I'd actually, uh, I would go watch uh, an Arab strap concert in Glasgow during a rainstorm. That's more my shit. <laughs> like it probably was more my shit when I was in college, but it was clear to me that I was like, this is not a place where you are going to have a good time. And yet, like, I don't know that I could imagine what it's like. I've never really been any place like that. You know, like the idea of like going to a club that's, you know, whatever, like Senor Hornitos and it's got like a 2,500 person capacity. Fuck, no frame of reference for that in the least. It's really not that different than like going to like Tampa. Like it's it's <laughs> someone someone threw Tampa down in the on the one of the nicest places in Mexico. You go like you go a few miles north or south, you're in regular Mexico and it's cool. Like like if you go to Tulum, I think Tulum has been ruined because everyone figured out that you don't go to Cancun, you go to Tulum, so then Americans mm-hmm. ruin that too. But like to get to actual Mexico, it's not really that far. But if you stick around the fucking the Times Square of Mexico, you're not going to you're not gonna really get the full experience that you would you would enjoy, particularly if you're not in college anymore yeah. and you're an adult and you <laughs> should know better. Well, I think that we've established this is it's like canon over the course of this podcast that 23 year old first year out of college drew could be called a lot of things uh, as could 23 year old sweet Davy. Uh, adult is not an accurate uh Bit no. of nomenclature there, but no, I was, but I was very much like, oh my god, I want to do that. Finally, I get to live a poison video. Like that was my <laughs> thing. Even, even in 1999, that was my thought process. And then I was Everybody like, oh, is- I have a, I have a girlfriend. Maybe I shouldn't have a. Maybe I should say to the girlfriend, can we take a break for a week, and then we'll, we'll be boyfriend and girlfriend again when I get back from it. I didn't do that. No, that's I, for the best. No. Also, yeah, better that you didn't you know, wind up in a, a Papa Roach video or something. Yeah, no, no, the successful, successful 20-year marriage was well worth the shitty time I had in yep. Cancun. <laughs> you were the last person to use an internet cafe as well, so that's an incredible honor. Yeah, using it, the the time of internet cafes is just, I've honestly, that's one of those things where, to me, like, the the best remembering of a guy is you literally forgot the guy existed. Like I tweeted it the other day when I saw Bruce Pearl and I had forgotten completely that Bruce Pearl existed. So I saw him on the bench for Auburn. I was like, fuck, that's Bruce Pearl. It was great. <laughs> so like remembering internet cafes when I have completely and utterly forgotten the internet cafes don't exist anymore or once existed, that's always a nice moment to remember. I enjoy yeah. that. If it had been a few years later, you would have been like, this is just like something Jason Bourne would do. But in 1999, hey, you didn't have that frame of reference yet. Speaking of spring break, let's talk about uh, drinking, Roth. I no longer drink for obvious reasons. You do, and that's totally yeah. fine. Also for, for obvious that. reasons. But when we uh, when we had a podcast a few weeks ago, I joked about how my daughter's friend got sick by by having a truly sangria, truly not, sang, a truly sangria experience, and for the and to be clear, this was not sangria flavored truly. This was no. sangria made with truly. This was mm-hmm. the the beet sweetener of the old sangrias. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only sangria that contains aspartame. The classic yeah. recipes do not uh, have that. <laughs> so anyway, when that when we uh, when we did that, the the people in the defector comments section, you know, this is a fun conversation that 
the people I know on Twitter usually have like once a year or so. Like it's just a fun recurring conversation to have. It's better than arguing about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich once a month. Yeah. Like who the NBA MVP is. So I wanted to, uh, our producer, Eric Silver, he compiled some of the best concoctions from Defector Commenters. And I wanted to read some of them to you and ask you, David Roth, if at any point in your life you would have attempted these cocktails. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the answers are going to be shameful for everyone involved, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. This was uh, this was the comment section at its very best. Yes, this is from Hockey Esquire. He said, at my sister's bat mitzvah, my also high school-aged cousins and I tried to steal a bottle of white wine and Sprite to make our own mixer, but we couldn't find any, so we ended up <laughs> grabbing a bottle of red wine and a Coke. Hard seltzer and sangria sounds delicious by comparison. So red wine and Coke, would you have dared to venture that at any point in your life. Am I crazy that red wine and Coke is a thing in Spain that you people get it? Like you in like that's the thing you could get. Yeah, Eric uh is nodding in the Zoom window. You can't hear that, of course, because it's a podcast that you're listening to. But that's like a, a thing. That's like a when oh my you're God, going, it is yeah, when you're mocho. going out all night in Barcelona or in Madrid and you want oh, the that. experience of getting fucked up while being caffeinated and also, I guess, apparently don't care about what's happening in your mouth during that. Uh, it must be good because the Spanish don't miss when it comes to food from my experience, That's but a rough go, it is a hard one to get my head around. Like, yeah, you had the same response. Like I, when you looked at that, you're just kind of like, I don't, think that's a good idea it's tough because it's like i didn't think there would be a, a downgrade from red bull and vodka and yet here we are where it's like yeah. well i want to be drunk but i also want to feel like i'm doing cocaine without having done any cocaine yes like, like yeah this is also mixing shit with coca-cola is classic uh just sort of rummaging around like when you're going raccoon mode as a young <laughs> drinker and you're just kind of like, hey, hey, like just like pawing with your hideous wet hands through a liquor cabinet like the drink uh, like coke and vodka is something i probably had a hundred times in my life never after i turned 21 yeah it was just ooh. the sort of thing because these are like two things that you could find yeah and it sucked it made i mean it didn't it's not like the worst thing i've ever tasted but it basically is like a thing that you can do to make yourself feel a little queasy and it makes regular Coke taste like a, like a super no caffeine diet out of an old two liter type experience. Oh, that's it's not. Yeah, yeah like, not what you want. Like someone spiked your Coke with fucking toothpaste. That's yes. not. <laughs> yeah, it has, in the way that all bad drinks have that, that quality where they like sort of taste like they could have been produced by GlaxoSmithKline. That's what you're getting with that. I, uh, I was going to ask, uh, if it depended on the red wine, but it's like you're either using a red wine that tastes really bad to begin with, like Merlot or whatever, or you're ruining a good wine, like, yep. like Cabernet or something like that. So there's really no good option. This hockey's entry reminded me of when I went to a day your rail tour around Europe in 1997 when I was a college junior. So that's a perfect time for drinking things you're not supposed to drink. Yeah. And that was when I discovered carbonated red wine which sounds abominable but this was in italy and yeah Italian it's good no like wine. lambrusco and stuff yeah it was a lambrusco and i was like yeah it rules i was like hey this is this is good like it was so good like i didn't even think i should be drinking it i was like you know what i should go find some sort of russian malt liquor instead that will put me in a, my head yeah. in the sewer I'm like <laughs> you got to get that baltica in you yeah no lambrusco feels like cheating i had a similar experience i studied uh in italy and it's the sort of thing where 
you know, it's like a it's a beginner wine, but it's like good. And there's expressions of it that are like really fancy and, and you know, whatever high end, I'm sure. But like, yeah, definitely the version of it that you can have when you're kind of an idiot. And like most of the drinks that you've made are just like things that you can cobble together uh, or that are coming out of like an enormous textured glass Seagram's gin handle. Like you're just like, wow, oh, my God, like this is actually pleasurable on its merits. Give me another one. Uh, Miller writes in, I am 14 at my aunt's wedding. I have half a glass of cranberry juice. Sounds promising so far. Yeah. I find an unattended bar and top off the glass with the first bottle of alcohol I grab, uh-oh, which is not vodka or rum or even gin, but scotch. Oh, <laughs> I drink it all. Hey, it was free and I wasn't getting booze otherwise. And it wasn't that bad. All told, I had a pretty good time. I can't believe that story has a happy ending. That Give is- me that smoky cran. <laughs> I want that smoky cranberry. I mean, look, scotch has peat in it. And cranberries come from a bog, yeah, so ooh, really, that's a, that's a really good, yeah. That's like uh, it's like a terroir pairing, you know, like the way that you would want to have a cheese and a wine that are from the same part of Italy or France. Oh. Only in this case, it's uh, two things that you should never mix. No. So it's actually the opposite of what I was just saying. The idea of just making yourself a bog cocktail is a bog <laughs> really powerful. I so I have to say that back when I drank, I pref- I much preferred bourbon to scotch. Like I was always like, oh, scotch, it's from Scotland, it's brown, it's smoked. Like I should like this. And every time I was like, no, no, bourbon's sweeter to me. I I'm a scotch person, and I like good scotch. And then I also have like a utility scotch that I will drink on weeknights that I buy like not exactly in bulk, but you know, I get a big bottle and save. Like a handle of doers or something like that? Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, similar. Like a, just a blended scotch that I can have. And, you know, like basically this is one of those, this is going to make people worried about my health, but this is it's one of the accommodations right. that I made to uh, my wife years ago was I used to just get like cheaper bl- blended scotches because I was like, I don't care what I do with my body. If, unless, if I'm trying to drink something good, then I want it to be good. Otherwise, you know, uh, kind of fuck me up. And at some point, my wife was like, you got to stop buying things that come in plastic bottles. Like, do not bring any shatterproof <laughs> items into this home. Like, you're a grown man. You got to respect yourself. And I was like, yeah, that's a fair point, actually. Like, getting something that's like technically, like clinically is a disinfectant. But that also can be enjoyed on the rocks is like, I got to I got to value myself a little better than that. Uh, Chili Davis 91. Thank you for remembering a guy. Chili Davis. Yeah, seriously. Great year for Chili, too. Yeah. Twin. No, that's a champion twin. Uh, He said apple juice in 151. In my experience, (laughs) anything with Seagram's 151 is bad. Like, I don't ever remember enjoying a drink that had 151 in. No, you don't need. You're basically getting twice the alcohol and. Not very much of the extra value that I'd imagine you'd mix it with apple. Not big juice. on flavor, the one fifty one. Not very big on flavor that one. Drew, Drew did you say Seagram's one fifty one? Am I because th- I'm only thinking of Bacardi in my head? Yeah, uh, Bacardi is the one I think. Oh, of the apple oh, thing. oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, look, I didn't know if it was funnier that you said Seagram's one fifty one, which is terrifying if you think about oh, yeah. that. Triple proof gin. Yeah, just, no, just no, no. High, the highest test, the yeah. most berries in your mouth gin. You know, I was trying to think. I, I feel like there was a Seagram's liquor that was equally horrible and high and whatever. It doesn't. Was it not matter. like? Did they make Everclear? 
Oh, uh, no, 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 no. It, it, it had the Seagram's label on it. It probably had right. like a, a photo of Bruce Willis smoking a cigarette on the label too or something like that, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it was like Bruno branded. Yeah. came with a harmonica. Jackalope said Gatorade and vodka. I don't think that's all that offensive. That sounds very... That sounds like basic frat punch Baby food. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I only included that one because it was so reminiscent of being in college. Like, oh, I'm going to get ahead of this and get the electrolytes in quicker. Yep. So, <laughs> so yeah. 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 The, the first of the college like cocktails that I made that were fucked up, it was they were it was similar to that. But it was like there's a, a machine downstairs that will sell you a can of juice, Gatorade or soda. And then there is a small amount of utility grade alcohol in your room. Go nuts, mix right. them together, see what you can come up with. And definitely like landing on fruit punch Gatorade plus alcohol is like, I'm sure that it happened. We used to rob the vending machine at Colby, which by the way, I don't ever, ever Condone? recommend. But like me and the like other guys in the football team would do the thing where you would tip the vending machine toward you, which you should not do because it could land on top of you and kill you. Yeah. We're we were like required to say, don't try to tip a vending but, machine over. Yeah, but we were that horny for like a, a can of Snapple that we would we would tip it toward us, and then you'd hear the thunk, like it would fall out of the slot and down, and we'd be like, oh, ho, ho, party time again, boys. Like We robbed from the big, <laughs> bad vending machine guy, and then like some poor like 80-year-old bastard who owned the vending machine and needed it like to pay for his fucking insulin would be like, hey, what are these kids doing? And then like... Then, like, it was bolted to the ground, and there was a big flyer posted on the door saying, please don't fucking steal. Please stop doing man. this. It's annoying. Yeah, the the version of that that we had, I, I mean, I didn't uh, tip the vending machine over, but we had, it was the very fine brand of juices were the ones <laughs> oh, that we could get. Very fine. Let's remember some drinks. We, lo- we love a very fine juice brand. So that, and then I had schnapps in my room. Someone had given me schnapps. And so my friend Randy and I would, when we were in our intro to philosophy course as first semester freshmen, would just like try to come up with some combinations of like the schnapps that we had, which we had received as gifts from the same guy and different juices to try to come up with a drink that wasn't bad. And we never did it. But there was like stuff that we would like name after like whatever philosopher we were like struggling with. Or I'd be like, do you want a Baruch Spinoza? And he'd be like, no, I don't. But let's do it. Did Randy ever uh, pair it with the cream? The cream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a ninja said, <laughs> he said he tried. Schnapps, brother. A <laughs> <laughs> ninja said he tried Smirnoff ice and vodka, which pretty like. Oh, Coles to Newcastle there, but. <laughs> yeah, way to go all the way with the Smirnoff experience. Or, or vanilla schnapps and vodka, which seems infinitely worse to me. Like any. Ugh. Any vanilla flavored uh, alcoholic beverage, I'm not, I'm not down. Like even the smell, I can't smell anymore. But like the smell of like a vanilla latte does not make me happy. <laughs> Is vanilla flavored schnapps and vodka technically a martini of some kind? Could I, it be described as that? I guess it would be like the. I don't even know. Be like the Scott Maybe. Walker martini. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, like. It is the thing that you would have if you got a cocktail with Scott Walker's fucking bologna sandwiches that he used to post on Twitter. That is the drink you would get. Uh, Rusty Bassoon said he tried Mountain Dew Code Red and a- Admiral Nelson rum. By the way, I've never, <laughs> I have never had Code Red. I assume it's just like fruit punch soda, right? Like, I think that that is more or less it. I don't know that it tastes appreciably different than Mountain Dew. I think it's just a different color. Oh, I mean that doesn't sound 
something sweet in rum is like, that's what a rum drink almost always is. So. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not, uh, it lacks the panache of a, a tiki presentation, but I guess you're right that it's like kind of a classic idea where it's like, I heard you like sweet shit. So I put some more sweet shit in your sweet shit. Uh, Washington foosball table said uh, he was at a friend's house in high school. He drank Cuddy Sark in hot black coffee, which <laughs> seems like there needs to be a third element to really make that work. Then again, it's, it's, a kind of Irish coffee? Yeah, like it's a it's, Scottish coffee. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it is. Know. T- I feel like Lyndon Johnson drank that in his life. Oh, well, yeah, he wore everything, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll do some voicemail, uh, voicemails from you guys. More, and we'll, more cocktails, you said? More yeah, bad cocktails. we'll remember some guys, and we'll open up the fun bag, too. Uh, we'll be right back. But before we go, this episode is sponsored by Nifty the NFT exchange for children. They're non-fungible, but they are funnable. That's NFTY Nifty. We'll be right back. That's probably real. Craving fresh, delicious, easy meals? Try Wild Grain and get their bake-from-frozen sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries delivered right to your door. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, and all you have to do is pull it out of the freezer and pop it in the oven, and less than half an hour later, you will have delicious bakery-quality food in your home ready to eat. You'll never run the risk of getting bored with Wild Grain either. They're constantly adding new, seasonal, limited-time specials to try. Plus, for every new member, Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank, so you can eat good and do good all at the same time. All you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com distraction and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. It's easy to reschedule or skip or cancel as your life dictates. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box, when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction to start your subscription. You heard me. That is free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction. That's wildgrain.com slash distraction. Or you can use promo code distraction at checkout. We're back. We're Hello. back to listen. We're in time to listen to uh, a couple of voicemails. So our producer, Eric Silver, is going to play the voicemails for us. Uh, I always forget when you guys called the voicemail uh, hotline for uh, for the distraction at 909-726-3720. And that's 909-Panera0. Yeah. Um, say your name because otherwise I don't know your name. Because <laughs> all it says, all it says in, when I get the email is uh, voicemail from Google Voice, or it'll say your phone number. So say your name uh, before you tell us what your question is or whatever you're doing. And if you will... don't say your name, we will make up a name for you. A name yeah, will be yeah, assigned yeah. to you at that time. Yeah, So we, we, but we did have a, a fake Tommy from Quincy uh, send in a voicemail. Should we start with that, Eric, or you want to start with the other one? Yeah, let's start with that one. Let's hear from Tommy. Hey, Matt, it's Tommy from Quincy. Uh, was wondering how you think the Sox are going to do this year. Uh, I think that they can make the playoffs. I think they got a chance to go at least that distance. Uh, real questions are, 
<laughs> Do you think uh, Garrett Whitlock should be like a starter or a reliever? And uh, if the Red Sox are in the playoff hunt around uh, the trade deadline, you think Heim's actually going to buy? Thanks. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. This so one's for you, Roth. Yeah, I was going to say like this is so we are recording this a little early. Drew is away while this episode is released. So I am in the middle of my fantasy baseball draft hell week right now. Like I have two more drafts before this thing is all said and done. I've already done two. So I actually have opinions on this right now. They will be flushed from my brain once I start filling them with like new observations about the Mets and their failings. Uh, I think Whitlock is certainly uh, more effective as a relief pitcher, but I understand why they want to try to stretch him out. I think whatever use he has, he's cool to watch. And I think it must be fun to know that you stole him from the Yankees. If you're a Red Sox fan, I think he should be like twice as popular for that reason. Uh, and then are the Red Sox actually going to buy if they are around? That's a different question. Cause it's not been, I've not had an easy time parsing what their process is because they, in the same way that I think the Cubs wound up doing this offseason, they actually spent plenty of money. I just don't understand the ways in which they spent it. And that's never necessarily where you want to be. I mean, it's like, you don't, I'm not going to compare them to the Wilpons. The Red Sox owner, first of all, has money and second of all, has spent it effectively in the past, but there's this, and I don't think that, that Bloom is a bad GM. I think it's one of those deals where they're kind of, in between trying to do like raise style roster arbitrage, but with a big budget is not smart. Like, and I think that, so when you see the ways that they've spent their money in the past or the decisions that they've made in terms of who they let leave and then, you know, just basically having to keep Raphael Devers, I think is a really good third baseman. It's just like, if you're going to keep him and you're not going to keep Bogarts, then like, I should be able to understand why that's the case, and I have not really ever gotten a clear read out there. Are but, they similar to the Ricketts Cubs uh, in a more subtle way where it's like, okay, we got our titles, and you know the long-suffering fan base is now fat and happy, so we don't really have to try all that hard. I wonder if there's an element of that. I mean, I feel like in both cases, like the Ricketts burned all their goodwill to the ground in like 18 months. yes. They did. And they were. Fast. I feel like the Sox fans are fucking pissed too. And it's like it's been you know longer for them, but it's like not. It's it's bizarre to me that there is. Uh, actually, I don't even know if it has been longer. It hasn't been. That's right. I'm wrong. It's still weird uh, that they're <laughs> trying to sort of do it this way in this kind of like you know moderate limited hangout sort of thing like. Those teams, both of those teams, print money. Like, just fucking spend it, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're not going to be developing players at the clip that, and I think, you know, the Red Sox have a harder time with that of late, then, like, making those fucking loser deals where you wind up, like, trying to convince yourself that Alex Verdugo is 70% of Mookie Betts or anything, like, it's embarrassing. Like, you got to, either if you're going to burn it all down, then burn it all down, but, like, this sort of thing where you're trying to, like, hang around for the wild card... If you're a team like the Cubs or the Red Sox, you should have higher ambitions than that, in my opinion. You know, what's funny is I'm in Boston this week, literally in Boston. Like, I, I'm talking to you from, from the future. Yeah, but it's like, amazing. How is it? What's the and I was, like? I, w- I was looking into, like, sports events because, you know, my sons might want to go to it or my daughter. And uh, my oldest son, 
he's a big soccer fan, so he wanted to go to a, a, New, a New England Revolution game. I was like, that's a great idea, except they don't play in Boston. They play in the suburban equivalent of, uh, like, Brazil. Like, they are a million miles away from fucking Really? Are they Boston. not? They don't play at Gillette? They're at Gillette, but for Foxborough's so fucking Oh, it sucks. It's terrible. It I sucks. hated going there. It totally sucks ass. So I was like, eh, we can't quite do it. Uh, so the most, like, reasonable thing would have been to go to a Red Sox game, but it's, like, opening week. So, like, what are the odds that you're going to get like a $10 bleacher ticket at Fenway. That doesn't yep. happen. Like you're going to like, you're paying Broadway show money for that. This shit. is also one of those like moves. It's sort of a deal that I made with myself as like a, an aging man. Is that like, I'm just not going to go to a game at night in April or March. Like I just, it's, I don't like being cold at a baseball game and it's not fun for me. So like, unless the weather really, really is unseasonably good. I've had too many times, at Mets games being, I was at a game once where the temperature at first pitch was 34 degrees and it got colder over the course of the game and it sucked. It wasn't yeah. fun to be sitting out. Like, I mean, I've been to football games when it's that cold and somehow I'm like, oh, this is fine. I'm enjoying football weather. But if it's a baseball game, it's worse. Yeah. I were Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal and friend of the show. He wrote a column about how uh, the coldest you'll ever be is at uh, spring baseball, like for kids yeah. and stuff. And as someone who has suffered through like youth soccer in like in like October where you think it's gonna be like you know, pleasant and all that stuff, but somehow it's just god awful. Like it's true. Like I have yeah. never been more cold than like when I was at like fucking Einstein High in March, like watching a fucking soccer game because I forgot to bring. I also gloves. have this terrible track record of going to games where one or both of the starters is either a super slow worker or can't locate any of their pitches. Ooh. So the the detail that I would add to this game, which was an early season Mets Phillies game, is that the guy that was starting for the Phillies, this is only going to resonate with a few people, was fucking Vince Velasquez. So he threw 110 pitches in four innings, and every one of them was like the maximum labor to get the thing out i mean like so this is like the one time where i was like will you just straighten it out you have a great fastball now strike this met out so everybody can go in the dugout and we can start the next inning and it just yeah he couldn't do it that's not gonna be a problem for you uh anymore like there's a pitch clock now like yes they actually have they can't do the aroldis chapman bullshit like they actually have to fucking pace around the mound for 55 seconds yeah hey let's do one more voicemail and then remember a guy so let's get to the second voicemail hey guys this is josh just listening to the pod with rohan as someone who grew up in teaneck and his dad owned a kosher deli that sold floppy joes it was a real treat i just want to ask ross why he thinks Sloppy Joes are a South Jersey thing. They're definitely a North Jersey thing. Eli Manning, I think, had a whole thing where he was reviewing them, and it was such a weird thing for a lot of people to find out what they were. Also, Joel Embiid for MVP. Thanks. I also have a link to one of the tweets that Eli Manning did of the Sloppy Joe, and everyone got very confused by it, and I like it because he looks like my brother, who's just a guy in finance, because <laughs> <That's laughs> everything Eli just changed for him as soon as he retired, and this is from uh, December 2020. Here is the link in the chat here, and I have the link in the episode description if listeners want to check it out. Okay. All yeah, right. so I was the reason I thought it was a South Jersey thing is that uh, I'm from North Jersey and they they were not something that I had encountered. So I was just like, oh, I don't know, that's what they do over there. I don't know. Ah. Fucking, it's for Eagles fans. So um, you know, whatever. Obviously, I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Uh, the definitely 
I mean, I got dinged for this or not like dinged, but people basically pointed it out. So I've like seen sandwiches like this. I mean, because basically what it is, is like, I think, Drew, you made this point in the episode that it's like a Reuben, basically. Like it is like it is a cabbage aided meat and cheese sandwich involving rye bread. Right. Yeah. It seemed very Reuben-y. To me. But the I, idea of, well, certainly exposing uh, Eli Manning to it is great. And as uh, was pointed out, every image of Eli Manning where he's not playing football, he just kind of looks like, like, I would, like if Tom Wamsgans was like a real guy, yeah. that's kind of the energy that he like projects. A thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. just a real quarter zip fleece energy. Uh, let's remember a guy. Yes. Roth. Uh, it's time for a guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of your, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. guy. I remember that guy. And Roth, for you, it's former Florida Marlins legend Rob Nen. You remember Rob Nen, Roth? I remember Rob Nen's name being spelled in a really particular way more than I... Because I remember him as just like a closer through a really fast fastball, but he's the first R-O-B-B that I can remember as a baseball player, and I think the last. The extra B is for baseball. Baseball, yeah. That's in, you know, and that's when you're dialing it into your phone. Uh, that's some. That's what I tell myself. Yeah, you know, Rob off. Nen, that is a, uh, that is, it's hard to forget that name because anytime your name is one syllable and one syllable, I always remember that. Like, it's so punchy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that that's a, like, if you had, because there's another guy on that Marlins team named Pat Rapp, which was also a name that I really liked. Um, just because it, it has a very like, like a guy who was like on one Houdini song in 1982, and they're like, "What's your name?" <laughs> 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 it's like a real early days hip hop name, but it is also like Pat Rap, Rob Nen. These are names that are going to stick in your head for a long time because they just don't take up that much space. It's like parking a compact. By the way, can I just do old hip hop minute for a second? Because when I was in middle school, uh, it was when. Uh, Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock came out with Joy and Pain. Like mm-hmm. they're I think I think the one that lasted longer was It Takes Two, but I thought Joy and Pain, I remember they would play it at middle school dances and everyone was like, Oh shit. And they're saying a line. I was like, this is the greatest rap song ever. Yeah. And I listened to it the other day, like, oh, I'm ready to go down memory lane. And Rob Bass's uh flow on that song is fucking terrible. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's shitty. Very- very rudimentary like it is it is slow but like, it destroyed middle school parties forever like that would yep. just be like because it would always be and you know this is maybe my recollection of it maybe kids at your middle school were cooler but it would just be like boys on one side girls on the other side of course and then like you make a circle and somebody gets in the middle and does the roger rabbit and you're like this is what parties are all about yeah <laughs> this is how it's supposed to be no like like in the middle part where like the singer would be like like everybody would sing along and be like, this is like, this is true Motown soul. Like this is like reinvention. That's incredible. Story. I think it's, it's quite an achievement to have recorded even one song like that, let alone two. Uh, so yeah, I, sal- I salute Rob Bass and, and DJ Easy Rock for their work in that area. Uh, we're going to open up the fun bag. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. This one's from Dave, not you, Rolf, a different yeah, one. Yeah, I'm not allowed to answer. And this is questions. a, so... We didn't really get to sandwich talk, but buddy, we are about to get fucking nut deep into sandwich talk. So, so Dave writes in, stick, stick with me for a while. This, this one takes a while. He says, a few years back, New York Times Magazine had an article titled The Best Sandwich Ever. And let me tell you, they are not overselling this. It's a Sam Sifton article. I'll send you the link. My wife has made it maybe three times over the course of our relationship, including this past weekend for my birthday. 
I may be an inept child in the kitchen, but even I was able to make this once while living alone, even though I didn't have a mandolin like she uses. The only other major difference between her and my constructions of the sandwich is the use of mayonnaise. I don't like mayonnaise, but she does not feel the same. But the problem is that including mayo on the sandwich does actually help. Not that the sandwich lacks fat, far from it, but as if the bread contents interface is improved by something being there. I think that's a pretty standard reason for that's mayo the, being generally the argument for a binding mayo element right yeah knowing that mayo is going to be included when she made it last weekend i asked if she'd recommend i put some other condiment on there in its place she's a great cook and knows how to ad lib but didn't jump in with any alternate options so as a wizened mayo ha- hater he's talking to me what do you do when you need to get rid of the poison today for lunch i put some spicy mustard with the secret leftover contents and it worked out fine but mustard doesn't fit in all places short of getting the secret sandwich oil from pot bellies what am I to do? That's a long way of saying, do you have a preferred mayonnaise alternative, David Roth, who is fine with mayonnaise? So I actually do have an answer uh, prepared for this. Um, it is something that I've had at a sandwich shop once during like bad pandemic times. Uh, so I ate it outdoors on a you know sort of weird night. I don't even know if they're still selling sandwiches there. There was a place uh, called Dutch Kills in Long Island City in Brooklyn. Uh, it's a cocktail bar. It's really, really good. I recommend it highly. And they started selling big sandwiches out of it during the pandemic. And so that was, I mean, I had like a beer with it. It was like the one time I went there that I didn't want to like also get, a, you know, a play on an old fashioned while I was eating a fucking big sandwich with <laughs> like mortadella on it. So mm. they made a, um, so I don't have a problem with mayonnaise, but it's not my personal favorite. They made an, it's like a spicy aioli type thing that was using basically the the chili paste you can get the tuto calabria brand makes it you can get it at specialty stores they mixed that with i, I guess they said aioli it could very well have been just like mayonnaise because they're basically interchangeable a- aioli is mayonnaise raw but yeah I'm right saying. so it was basically a spread that was creamy in texture extremely peppery and spicy in flavor and that had the effect that dave was talking about which is basically like building an oil shield on the bread so that the bread continues to do what you want it to do without absorbing too much of the other stuff that's underneath it. I've done it at home a couple of times. I don't really make elaborate sandwiches at home for myself, but it is like having the ingredients around is like soothing to me. Like just knowing that I could improve anything I'm about to eat by 75% in that way is like kind of a, Otherwise, I'm just a mustard person, and that's all I ever put on there. I'm curious about your answer to this, because your opposition to one of the the big condiments is like a load-bearing part of the, the Food Knower brand at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of my sort of, it's one of my go-to takes. And also, I, I think aioli is the same as mayonnaise, so I don't eat it. But what I do eat, and this doesn't make any sense, but like, if there's crema on something at mm-hmm. any Mexican restaurant, like I ask the server, I'm, I'm like is this mayonnaise? And they're like, no, that's crema. I'm like, fuck yeah. And then I just go to town on it and I'm totally fine. So yeah. you could probably replace it with crema. But also when I need moisture on a sandwich, one option is cheese, but I think this this one already has cheese on it. Uh, the other one though is to uh, is to fry your bread and butter. Like that will basically do, yeah. the, do the trick. I, I do that now. Like when I make burgers at home, like I, I make a burger for lunch a lot of times and uh and I will always make sure to take my potato roll and fry it in the butter to eat it with my, my it burger. Is, I mean, it's going to work. It is kind of uh, your window to weight gain as well. But you're a healthy guy now. You're always on the bike. You don't even it's worry in, about that shit. It's in the calorie budget, man. I make it yeah. work. 
Hey, Jamush, he writes in, outside of alcoholic bars, what bar do you most look forward to? Salad bar, potato bar, omelet bar, olive bar, candy bar. Do you have a favorite bar, Rolf? I think we so, should also include like maybe uh, ice cream sundae bar or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Fixin's bar, you know. Ooh, the Fixin's bar. Yeah, at uh, the Roy Rogers on mm. the, the Cheesequake rest stop. Doesn't exist mm-hmm. anymore. They renamed it. It's the it's the Ed Harris rest stop now. The um so I as a the short answer to this is I I love and I've loved since I was a child those like little like call your own omelet bars where you can get real perverted on the yeah. like the little cubes of ham and stuff, and I'm like yep. unlimited ham. Yeah, it's like really, little shrimp, and you're like, ooh, shrimp, but it came from yeah. like a fucking like can. is that a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ooh. that that I love. Fresh frozen from the Philippines. What a treat. <laughs> but can I give a special shout out to a place I have not been in many years, but uh, Fuddruckers and the Fuddruckers family of brands. Yeah, Rudfuckers. So my parents, I, this took me a long time to realize that like, because my parents had like fancy tastes, you know, when they were like, they were married for like a long time before my sister and I came along and they had, you know, sophisticated like 70s, 80s lives, you know, like going off to Paris and stuff. And it wasn't, you know, super haute cuisine type stuff but i was always like yeah these guys like they know how to cook they they know what they like and then like as they've gotten older i'm just like they only want to eat french fries like that's the only thing that they would eat if they if they could just find a way to make that their whole diet and when we used to go on vacation to hilton head south carolina there was a fuddruckers there i hope it's still there and and for a while, I think they were trying to make it seem like my sister and I were getting our way when we went to Fuddruckers. They were like, all right, if you kids want to go, like, we'll take you. <laughs> and then, like, as we kept going there longer, I was like, you guys fucking love Fuddruckers, don't you? Like, you just, this is, like, the only place that you actually want to go for lunch or dinner. And they have these crazy long fixin's bars where you could just get, like, I just remember, like, scooping their kind of, like, completely spice-free pico de gallo onto my mm. tray and being, like... Just eating a big pile of tomatoes and onions like it was normal, uh, and that was a that was a formative bar experience for me. What is your answer on this? I got two. One is the prototypical one, which was the the Pizza Hut lunch buffet back in the day. It doesn't yep. really exist anymore though. So I'll go with uh, this. Might be cheating, but uh, the the hot uh, the hot lunch uh, selection at Whole Foods. Uh, Oh, yeah. Like every every time I go to like the Whole Foods and it gets real in the Whole Foods parking lot and I'm looking at all the all the hot dishes and all the salads like it's like a salad bar but like also there are ribs you know like yep. in, like this like this like orange chicken and shit like that like I need like I get excited by like three things of the salad bar like if there's like hard boiled eggs and bacon bits and like a big fucking tank of like sultanas or some shit like that then i'm like okay that's pretty cool but the rest of it i don't give a flying yeah, fuck about giving you the option i think the what you said about the whole foods bar that i appreciate just in terms of like the way that it struck me to hear it is that those things are always better when they give you an option to be an idiot about it like yes. if it's the sort of thing where there's like a bunch of grain salads it's really good and it's good for you you know it's actually got kind of a apple cider vinaigrette and then if you like keep going and then there's just like some dumb thing that is like for fat babies to eat, and you can just be like, "Yeah, I think I'll, I'll have some of that too." Yeah, you know, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like General Tso's chunks on the, top of all the other responsible choices I made. The Sunday brunch omelet bar, though, I, I think is a really good choice. And then also, uh, we are way out 
of the great Froyo uh, renaissance of the aughts. But mm-hmm. like the the Toppins bar for any Froyo place, like fucking oh, yeah. Pinkberry or the fuck. Not Pinkberry because I don't actually want that. I want just normal flavor. Like people are like, oh, tart. Ooh, yay. It makes me pucker my lips like through my asshole. Isn't that so great? Like I'm like, no, yeah. I, I want But no, back in the day when it was just like every type of gummy bear and they were like, you don't even need to get the yogurt. Like you can just <laughs> fill a cup of gummy bears. We will sell you that. Yeah, like, like that's... It's how Americans discovered boba. We're like, what are these? Oh, okay. They're like fruity, but they're sort of chewy too. That's exactly, this is how, um, it's like the way that you give medicine to a dog. Like this is how you get, (laughs) this is how you get Americans into things. And the same way that you tuck the fucking heartworm pill into some peanut butter. Like you basically need to serve it to me as a candy first. And then if I like it, I will learn more about it and have a more refined experience of it. I was, uh. That was great. Also, we forgot about um, just uh, your parents' liquor cabinet. That's a great bar when you're uh, when oh, you're ten. Classic. You know, when you get Malibu, Kahlua. Right. If you ever want to try Aquavit and be like, oh, what did mix, I just do? Yeah, you just mix it all together with like some skim milk. Fantastic. So, <laughs> so good. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Grugel is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector.com. Smash that subscribe button, young man and young Do woman. It. You can also email us at distraction at defector.com or again call us at 909 726 3720 and leave a message. That's 909 Panera Zero. Mm-hmm. Thanks, yeah. Roth. Have a happy Thank spring you. break, everybody. Goodbye. Yeah. Have fun out there. See ya. <laughs>